Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the podcast Singles Network. Today I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Liz Kelly, author of Smart Manhunting. Liz Kelly is a dating coach, author, and contributing writer for MarsVenus.com. Her book has been featured on such shows as Fox News, Dick Clark's The Other Half, and Lifetime's Speaking of Women's Health, BBC Radio, and in USA Today, Cosmopolitan, Glamour, Complete Woman, and the Chicago Tribune. Welcome, Liz. Well, hello, Rich, and hello to all the singles out there. Tell me a little bit about why you wrote the book Smart Manhunting. Was it based on your own personal experience? That's a great question. It It is actually based on my own experience. It's a little bit like a Bridget Jones diary, but a, <laughs> a smarter diary, no pun intended. Yes. <laughs> and I also went out and interviewed hundreds of singles and happily married couples to gather their insights. So I put together a strategy based on all those inputs on how to make your mate hunt like a job hunt and came out with the smart man-hunting dating strategy. And why is uh, chasing after men the same as chasing after a job? I think the best thing to uh, talk about, to explain it, is really that I was job hunting while I was writing the book. So I'm out there looking for a guy and looking for a job, and I've found so many similarities. You know, going to a first date is very much like a first interview. It's all about how you present yourself. And then by the time you get to a third interview for either a job or with a guy, you're really just trying to get to know each other better and figure out, do you want to try to go the distance? Do you want to hire this person as a husband, or do you want to hire them as an employee? Now, Liz, do you find that people get a little intimidated by this, thinking, oh, my God, going out on a date is like going on a job interview? Isn't it kind of scary for people to go on these dates if they feel all that pressure on them? I try to take the pressure off, actually, and say that you want to relax. It's a great question, but I do encourage that you want to relax. You want to be confident and cool on these dates because if you get too nervous or get too concerned about everything you're saying, then yes, that's too much pressure. So if you can relax and have a good time, then that's going to give you the best presentation on a date. Well, here's the $64,000 question then, Liz. If you're all uptight on a date or you're all uptight in a job interview, how do you relax? (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of my friends is a recruiter, and I quote her in Smart Man Hunting for fake it until you make it. Right. That was her advice to me when I was job interviewing. She said, you know, you just have to fake that you're relaxed. And then eventually what happens is, after you practice so many times, you are relaxed because it becomes second nature and you're more comfortable. And, of course, the deep breathing, that's an important technique that they always recommend in the relaxation classes and seminars. Deep breathing is a great way to go. I also try to 
think about somebody who makes me really comfortable when I talk to them. So I have a great relationship with both of my parents, but my father uh, particularly is a big joker, and we have a lot of good laughs together. So when I go on a first date, I say, relax, pretend like you're talking to dad, and and you'll be more calm. And I do the same thing with TV interviews or job interviews. I'm always thinking about somebody who makes me feel good inside to help me try to relax. Now, you mention online dating a lot in your book, and uh, what are the five must-haves that people need for their dating profiles when they're on the Internet? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think the number one thing that I tell people is you want to have a fun and uh, friendly headline. So what that means is that's the first thing that people see when they go to your profile. Some people will write things like looking for love, and I say you want to be a little more creative than that. So something right. like Moonlight and Margaritas is a great way to go because right. it's just so much better um, and catchier because there are 50 million people dating online. So when they're scrolling through, that's a critical thing to have something fun to catch their attention. So you have to stand out from the crowd. Exactly. So that's kind of the theme through the five must-haves. The second thing is your photos, you've got to have a really good photo, and you need more than one. And if if there's so many people dating online that don't have photos, and with a photo, you will get 10 times more responses. And, and how do people get the photos? Well, I actually have uh, tips in, in the book on how to take great photos, things like the lighting, the colors you're wearing, the background, all of those things are really important. For, for example, as far as colors are concerned, what are some obvious mistakes that people make when they have their photo taken for an online dating experience? I think probably if, if the colors don't work well with the camera or they don't work well with your skin tone, uh, I also recommend that people go to a style consultant to find out what are their colors because what happens is we get hit with uh, so many advertisements and here's the color of the season, but it might be a horrible color for us. Yes. So I think that that's probably um, a good tip. When I went to a style consultant, the good news was that they said you're naturally attracted to your colors. So if you have a favorite color, that's probably a good color for you. Right. Where something like these bright oranges or bright lime greens, for example, are horrible for my skin tone. So she told me, I don't care, you know, if it is the hottest color out there, don't (laughs) ever wear it. Right. (laughs) So let's see. Uh, Tip number three, I talk about uh, essays. You want to keep them short, concise, and have connectors. So give specific examples and things like what is your favorite movie? If your favorite movie is The Thomas Crown Affair, say that and then somebody will connect with that and somebody will comment on that and keep it light and upbeat keep a positive tone because you're just trying to entice a first date right and then what's number four in your suggestions when you write your dating profile online so number four is along the same theme but it's it's add your marketing pitch and this is what is unique about you can you cook a great lasagna do you play piano? Are you a great skier? Whatever's you know your passion. So you want to highlight that and give a specific. Don't just say you like to ski. Say I like to ski at Mammoth. 
and that way someone will comment on that. And then the last tip, number five, is ask inviting questions. Don't make the profile just about you. You want to say, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you like to do for fun? So that you're inviting a response. Okay. The, the profile is really about inviting responses so you get good first dates. Any other suggestions you have about online dating? Uh, any websites you want to recommend or any ones you say to ignore? <laughs> I actually have tested so many, and it's really a personal decision. I, I try to give people... Uh, the, the pros and cons of each. So I wouldn't say a specific one, but I do have a new audio CD that talks about the tips that I just went through in more detail right. and gives examples. Right. So your new audio CD, How to Find Love Online, is available on your website at smartmanhunting.com. That's correct. And it's about 45 minutes, and it goes into a lot more detail and a lot of people are giving me great feedback. So I, I was trying to think of a way to get to 50 million people dating online <laughs> fast and offer suggestions, and right. this was my best idea. Now, in your book, Smart Manhunting, you mentioned that confidence is the greatest sex appeal. What do you mean by that? When I interviewed guys, they told me that the number one thing that they look for in a woman is confidence, one guy went so far as to say that a woman who carries herself well is 10 times more attractive to him. And when I've been looking at profiles online and coaching singles, it's a recurring theme that people say, I want someone who's happy with their life, someone who uh, can compliment me, and uh, we can be stronger as a couple. So I think the confidence really kind of means somebody who's really comfortable with their life and, and happy, and I suggest that people have that kind of tone in their Internet dating profile. You want to come across with, I love my life. Right. So the more positive you are when you're smart man hunting, the more likely you are to catch something. Exactly. And no, no one is perfect, and no life is perfect, and really what you're looking for is somebody who wants to be your partner, somebody who can be in the trenches with you and, and you can get through things together. But in the beginning, you're just trying to be basically a marketing pitch. You're trying to attract people to see if you even want to do that with them. So in the beginning, everything's got to be positive. You would never walk into a job interview and say, well, let me tell you the five problems I had with my last employer. They would never hire you. Exactly. <laughs> or they'd never invite you back for a second interview. Sure. Now, of course, uh, a lot of the single people I talk to, especially the people that are newly single, that haven't been on a date in 20 years, I mean, they're just scared to death of dating. And, of course, uh, they're not going to be very self-confident on that first dating interview. How do you get them to be more self-confident? Does it go back to that advice of fake it till you make it? <laughs> I think that that's a good starting point. I think also... It's it's really just, uh, you know, getting out there and having a no-fear attitude and really just um, just giving it a shot and bouncing back from rejection and realize that uh, if you get rejected, not to take it too personally because I know that's easier said than done, but the yes. reality is everybody's looking for somebody that they have a click with and really smart man hunting is about playing a numbers game. So the okay. more people you meet, the better chance of connecting with someone. 
So if you go on 10 dates and you only connect with one, that's okay because you only need one connection <laughs> that's right. really going to work. Yeah, a lot of people just don't seem to understand that, Liz. You know, they see it as a test of their attractiveness or their self-esteem that every single person they approach has to fall madly in love with them, otherwise they're a failure. And they don't realize that, you know, just as I'm not attracted to every person in the world out there, every person in the world isn't going to be attracted to me either. Yeah, and I, I think it's a really important uh, question and an important point, and I want to stress that I've been rejected many times on dates right. when I thought there was a connection and there was no connection on the other <laughs> side. And it's definitely a disappointment, but it made me feel better, the fact that I had three other guys waiting to go out with me because I was playing this numbers game. Right. Sometimes you have to take a time out if you're really needing to digest a situation and get over the rejection. But for the most part, this playing this numbers game helps you bounce back faster. I've also gotten rejected on the job hunt front. Right. And, and what I've found is a lot of times the job rejections happen for a reason and simply led me to a better job in the end. That's a good point. You know, people always think it's a catastrophe when they don't get that particular job. But, you know, just thinking back and my past and when I've lost a job or didn't get hired or whatever and it seemed so devastating at the time, but then I moved on to something even better and I'm glad I didn't have that job. And I guess by the same token, we can make the comparison with relationships. You get into a relationship with somebody and they reject you and think, oh my God, how horrible. And yet later on, maybe a month later, you meet somebody much better and you, you live happily ever after and you would never have met that person if you had been involved with the wrong person. So sometimes rejection and not getting the job and not getting the guy or not getting the girl can be a wonderful thing. Exactly. And I I actually um I have no fear now about getting fired or about getting rejection because of that exact scenario. I would have never written this book if I hadn't gotten laid off after right. 9/11 and that's a long story that I won't go into here but <laughs> But I just read an article about um, Steve Jobs and how he got, you know, uh, fired from Apple and then came back and came back even stronger. So yes. things happen for a reason, and you have to believe that, and it's easier said than done yes. uh, when it happens. But in the long run, things happen for a reason, and it, it will all work out. Now, you mentioned that when you went around interviewing uh, the men that you found out what they're looking for is a woman who's self-confident. Did you find that the women were looking for the same thing or something different? I think women in many cases were looking for the same thing. I think that they were looking for someone who had their act together, who came across as confident. A lot of it is tone of voice, too, and the way you present yourself when you have that first phone call, for example, with Internet dating and then how you act in a, a social setting and are you comfortable with that because I think, you know, women want somebody who um, is confident and cool. I, I just, I think it works both ways and that's why I say that's the number one um, thing that we need to work on in dating is increasing everybody's confidence and the first part of smart man hunting is filled with ideas about how to boost your confidence, things like getting involved in something that makes you really passionate, meeting new people, you know, instead of just going on date after date. I know people where they just 
they're not focusing on having any foundation of friends. They're just going on date after date. And people are looking at you as what kind of package are you? What do you bring to the table as a complete picture versus just a one-on-one? So you really want to fill your life with uh, happiness and and lots of uh, friends and hobbies. And that's what I try to help people with too. Now, Liz, in Smart Manhunting, you talk about identifying Mr. or Ms. Wright using a three-step dating assessment dance. What kind of dance is this? <laughs> this dance is called the Life Match Game, and I break it into kind of the first date, the second date, and the third date and beyond. So with the first date, it's really about what I call the KISS test, which is also a chemistry test you want to ask yourself, would I ever, keyword, ever want to kiss this person? So that's why I say first date, you just want to relax and see, does the conversation flow or is it a struggle? Are you laughing at the same jokes? And do you have anything in common? Yes. So that's that's step number one. Step number two, I talk more about some of the go, no-go decision-making uh, points. So... At that point, you want to start asking questions to see, are they looking for a relationship or do they just want to date? And are you on the same page? Smart manhunting is really about finding a mate. So I would say if they're not emotionally available, you probably want to move on. And then when you get into uh, date three and beyond, that's where you're really getting into compatibility and I have 26 different types of uh, personality codes to help. Right. These are hilarious, by the way, for those of you that haven't read Smart Manhunting. You've got uh, men divided into 26 categories according to the letters of the alphabet. Tell us a little bit about some of these crazy guys. <laughs> sure. Well, it's basically 26 A to Z codes. And I say they're good guys, bad guys, and mostly maybe guys. And so it's okay. all about compatibility. So a good guy is... For example, the love match. That is a new uh, code in the new uh, version of the book. Um, and I love this code. This is, is the guy good in bed? Because what I was finding was I was finding guys who were emotionally available, but which is the bachelor available, but they weren't a love match. So they were a disaster in bed, and you've really got to have both. <laughs> Right. Well, of course. And conversely, there are the guys out there that are great in bed, but they're never going to be available to you emotionally. Right. It goes both ways. And and by the way, for the men out there, I'm saying that women can be these codes too. So you want to find somebody who's emotionally available and good in bed. And, and that's it. That's all we need. Emotional availability and good in bed, and we're ready for the preacher. Is that well, right? Well, these are the go-no-go points. You know, if you don't oh, have yes. those two components, it's it's not really going to work. But uh, there's all kinds of other things that come into play. So all sports fanatic is a maybe guy because that's a guy that is crazy about his uh, sport. I I met somebody online. They said they live across the street from the Giants stadium and they go to 41 games a year. So I went back to the guy and I said, okay, how many games a year do I have to go to with you? And then I asked him, can I bring my laptop and write? (laughs) So he said, you know, 10 to 15 games and I could bring my laptop. So it's a negotiation, and that's really what these codes are about, is to help you 
negotiate and figure out um, what are the extremes. So a, a bad guy, going to the third category, which is a guy you really want to throw out, is a justifying juggler. That's somebody who's sleeping with more than one woman at a time, and they justify it you know, based on power or money. Um, Jamie Foxx did this in the movie Ray, where he's you know, the famous um, musician, and he's sleeping around, and all the women are letting him do it. If you are really serious about um, finding a mate, I say you want to say next to that guy fast. Okay, no matter how attractive this guy may be and how much money he has and all of that, if he's juggling relationships, he needs to juggle with somebody else, not with you. I, I think that's the best strategy. Now, of course, there are um, notes in the book that if that's if that's what you want, then that's what you have to accept that that's the scenario. But now, 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 are you saying, Liz, that these guys who are superstars that have the money and the looks and the fame that you can't have a monogamous relationship with that kind of guy, that you're going to have to settle for the fact that you're one in a stable? No, I'm actually just saying if if you make a conscious decision that you're okay with it, then that's your choice. But with smart man hunting, because I'm trying to help you get to that perfect mate or get to the partner relationship, I would tell you to say next. Exactly. By the way, in Smart Manhunting, you talk about how to read the relationship road signs, the stay in and the get out signs. Can you tell us some of those signs? Sure. I think some of the key things that you need to ask when you're in a relationship is, are they calling you on a regular basis? Are they a cheerleader? Um, is the conversation flowing or is it a struggle? Do you Do you argue or do you you know, talk through solutions. Long-term relationships and making it work is really about compromise and uh, compatibility and do you complement each other. So those are the signs that I think you need to look for very early on. And if they're not there, you need to say next fast. Part of the book, the new subtitle is called The Fast Track Dating Guide. And that's because I'm trying to help people not to get stuck in a relationship for months that's the wrong relationship. So really right. the signs are about um, are they into you? That's really what it's all about. <laughs> and, right. and is it working? And if it's not and you're sitting there making up excuses for somebody, then you probably need to say next. You know, it's amazing to me, Liz, how many people are in dead-end relationships and they'll stay in that relationship year in and year out, decade in and decade out, and it never occurs to them that the only way they're ever going to find somebody better is if they break off with a bad relationship. But a lot of people seem to think that they can kind of hold on to this bad relationship to kind of tie them over while they're looking for the good relationship. But it just doesn't work that way. You know, kind of like going to a wine tasting. You know, they don't allow you to taste the next wine until you finish the previous wine. You can't mix the wines. And it's probably true that you can't mix the romantic relationships. As long as you stay in the bad relationship, you'll never find the good relationship. I think that's a really good point, and I think uh, some people say, well, I'll just stay in this bad relationship until something better comes along. Right. The, the problem with that strategy is you're emotionally tied up in the bad one, and, and that makes it harder for you to be open to the new one, and people can sense that, and I think it's really important to 
clean the counter, so to speak, or clean the cobwebs and and free your mind so that you can be open to that next one that's going to come along and, and just focus on your passions, focus on building your friends so that you're in that I love my life zone when they come along. Now, we've been talking about uh, the numbers game, and let's talk a little bit more about that. Other than online dating, what do you suggest uh, to meet large numbers of eligible people of the opposite sex? That's a great question. I actually have tested online dating, matchmaking, speed dating, silent dating, and well, what's, single What's event. silent dating? Silent dating is a new dating trend that I actually tested in San Francisco, and it was a total blast. You actually go to a bar, or in this case, it was an art gallery, and you're not allowed to talk for two hours. That's that's Incredible. the rule. And, and, and people actually obeyed that rule. Everybody followed the rule for the wow. most part. Amazing. Towards the end, I think we started to get a little, you know, edgy and um, yeah. maybe broke the rules a little bit. Yeah. But what they did was you walk, I walked in the art gallery and there was a sign that basically said, Welcome to Silent Dating. From 7 to 9 p.m., there will be no talking. And then, you know, at 9 o'clock, we'll, we'll break out and everybody can mix and mingle. Um, now, were you allowed to pass notes to each other? Like, where's the bathroom or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what they did to allow for communication was they had a stack of index cards on a big table in the center of the room. And everyone was communicating by writing on the index cards. After attending this, I was thinking, well, this would have been a lot easier if people put their cell phone numbers on a name tag and we could have done text messaging. <laughs> because some of the handwriting you couldn't read and then you would be writing so fast because yes. you're can think faster than you can write. Yes. So some of the scribbles you'd have to write back to the guy and say, "What do you mean?" <laughs> right. And and, and now tell us about the speed dating. Did you have fun with that as well? The speed dating is also a great uh, way to try to figure out if you connect with somebody fast. You meet with say ten to twenty people one on one in an evening, and you have a five minute date. And then at the end of the five-minute date, you write on a piece of paper for the host who is coordinating uh, whether or not you would want to see this person again. You just write yes or no. And some people say, do you want a romance or a business connection or a friendship? So they'll break it into even three categories. And then what happens is the next day you'll get an email with the people where if you said yes and they said yes, then they exchange the information for you. So it's an easy way to tell in five minutes, do you connect with someone? And I tie it to my kiss test, would you ever want to kiss somebody? I think you can figure that out in five minutes. And so speed dating is a great way to go. Liz, uh, thanks for all the great advice. I want to remind our listeners that your website is smartmanhunting.com, which, of course, is the title of your book. Recommend it highly. Also, if people want to reach you personally, they can reach you at liz at smartmanhunting.com. And also remind them about your new audio CD, How to Find Love Online. 
Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. Thanks for joining us today. My guest has been Liz Kelly. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss. Bye.